It's Monday, July 24th, 2023, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I am your host, Marcelo Pico, editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society, here yet again with another episode of the aforementioned Talk Film Society podcast. And this season, this series of episodes, I'm joined by my co-host, Siobhan Irving. Hello, Siobhan. Hey. 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 <laughs> How are you doing this Saturday morning? Saturday morning. Uh, feeling good, Marcel. I got a nice nice night's rest. Uh, the early morning record. We don't usually do this. No, I'm not actually sure why we're doing it this early in the morning. Why not? We we got we got to we, we got to test all of our energies. Look, we usually do kind of midday or late night records. We've never done a morning, so we got to well, uh, for for years we haven't done a morning. So, uh, yeah. uh we we got to test the but, energy. Maybe this works best for us. I don't know. There's a reason why I think we pushed it back because uh, I wanted to record this earlier in the week, and I said no way. Yeah, you said no, 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 no. I'm like, come on, like I'm ready, you're ready. Let's pop out an episode. Have it in the docket. Have it ready uh, uh, to go uh, for for Monday's release. But you're like, no, let's push it back. Let's not record Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday even. Let's record Saturday. Because something special uh, was going to happen by this point in your life Saturday. Right, Siobhan? It was going to happen, yes. Uh, It didn't end up happening. So this pushing back ended up being completely worthless for me. Uh, but, you know, uh, for, for the listener, it still might have worked out because Marcelo has things to talk, extra things to talk about now. Yeah. I don't. So, who are we? I wrote down on my little sheet here, intros. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, Siobhan, hold on. I'm Siobhan, um, podcast co-host to the stars. Um, only have ever talked to Marcelo on mic, and uh, I want to keep it that way. Yeah. Only on mic. Uh, never in real life. Uh, and I'm Marcelo. Uh, that's me. I'm the guy from Talk Film Society. His star continues to rise. I just need to ride his coattails until he's high enough. And then maybe really? I can spin it off into my own thing, you know? It's been, it's been 10 years. I think this is as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so that's who we are. I'm sure that's clear enough. Uh, summer blockbusters. That's what this series is for the next few weeks. Okay. And what a time to do this. Uh, we're dead, right dead in the middle of one of the biggest summer blockbuster seasons of all time. Yeah, and, and we've, we've reached the peak, probably. Of, yeah, this, uh, is a, this is the mountaintop. This is the mountaintop. Everything's downhill from here, but that, that's not to say it's bad from here. It's just, uh, in terms of what's going to make money, this is, this is the peak. Yeah, this, this is summer. it. Of this year. Of this year, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, unless, oh, actually, yeah, we'll, we'll get is into there anything? that in the Is news. there anything in the, okay, in the news? Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think we have to talk about it in the news. Uh, so that's the series, some of our blockbusters. Uh, status update, Siobhan, how are you feeling about the summer blockbuster season 2023 real quick status check uh it seems exciting looking from from the outside looking in seems like there's some cool stuff i wish i could have seen or watched more on that in a bit uh so news this is our news yeah section. what's the news the you mentioned you had some exciting news so what is it uh <laughs> jigsaw got or saw x That's got right. moved up an entire month we're excited about that 
September 29th. Um, so when was it going to be originally? End of end of October. October 27th, one day before my birthday. It would have been a nice birthday trip for me. But yeah. Instead, but I understand why they moved it. Also, opening on October twenty seventh is uh, that Five Nights at Freddy's movie, which is going to absolutely fucking slaughter Saw X. So yeah. it's fine that they moved it, and uh, I'm, I'm happy they did. Even it, it gives it a little bit more of a chance to perform well. And it's and it's uh it's late September. What tw- the twenty ninth? Mm-hmm. So it, it it's kind of good. Uh, yeah, like you said, a good headway into the halloween uh yeah. season yeah kick off the season yeah yeah yeah. so i'm excited i mean i'm excited about the release date getting closer um that's something we have to talk about off mic though siobhan because we have something planned for oh yeah that is true October. isn't it um mm. more on that in the next few months uh but but, but go to our patreon for more info Eventually, but, but even more exciting than the release date news oh yes this is this i think this is more exciting for please, for us saw heads. Please speak. To, uh, please speak to this, Marcelo. What what, what okay. did they say? I should have pulled it up. I, actually, I'm going to pull okay. up the the official plot synopsis. Okay, yeah. But um, let me let me pull this up real quick. Let's see this. Actually, this this was something. As soon as I read it, I was like, like you 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 tagged me in it on the in the news channel of our Discord, which you can join talkfilmsociety.com slash Discord uh, to get a link or ask anybody, ask any of us, we can, we can get you a link to there. Uh, it's a fun place, hang out, talk about movies. But you posted the the news in the chat, and I woke up a yeah. few hours later because my sleep schedule's been all over the place. Not today, I fixed it. But uh, it's uh, it uh, uh, really blew my fucking mind. It blew my tiny little mind what what so, this film is about. I, I shared a tweet that gave a brief synopsis of what the new movie is about, Saw X. Uh, but I got a, an official press release from Lionsgate. I didn't know there was a... Fo- There's a bigger one. There's a bigger synopsis? There's a bigger synopsis. Oh, this is folks, exciting for me. Ooh. Yeah, folks. Live reaction on mic. Strap in, because here is strap the on. paragraph synopsis. Of the new Saw X starring Tobin Bell. Here we go. Synopsis, Saw X. John Kramer, Tobin Bell, is back. That's the first sentence. I mean, come on. Hell yeah, baby. That's all I need. That's all I need? Yeah. Really? That should be it. Even though we already knew that uh, (laughs) from set photos and such. But still, that's all I need. But but, but continue. This came with one new photo of Tobin Bell oh, really? looking like Tobin Bell from Jigsaw. Yeah, um, he, he's just looking very mad. Is, is it the one with the the hood on? No, it's just no. him, no hood, uh, looking old. Of course, I don't know how old the man is now, but I wonder. Okay, so you know what? Enough chit chat of uh, of uh, enough dancing around this bullshit. Here we go. The most disturbing installments of the Saw franchise oh, yet chilling. explores the untold chapter of Jigsaw's most personal game. Set between the events of Saw 1 and 2, a sick and desperate John travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover the entire operation is a scam. To defraud the most vulnerable. Okay, it's like uh, it's like uh, Andy Kaufman going to go get the leeches. Exactly. But if An- but if Andy Kaufman was a serial killer, 
this would be that story. Right. Uh, so that's the that's the part that just drove me buck wild. I mean, this movie Saw X is set in between Saw One and Two. That is exciting. That is set in between the first and second movie. That's very exciting for many reasons. A, this opens up the idea of more kind of spinoffs. B, this does not uh, negate Spiral from the Book of Saw, which is something I was kind of afraid they might do. Uh, C, uh, we're going to be seeing some returning characters, obviously, even though he's going to Mexico, like whatever, he's still got to have some kind of, uh, connection to, uh, Amanda, uh, her, his protege or, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's going to be, was he even in the second movie? Yes. Because he got, yeah, he was, yes, he did. So. This must have been a short trip because the the, the time between <laughs> the first and second movie, I think, is not that large. Um, but uh, possibly we'll see Shawnee Smith. Who knows? As Amanda, right? That's exciting. She must. We sh- there's got to be a cameo at least. Yeah. And by the way, uh, no no apologies uh, uh, because we're talking about Saw so much. Uh, get used to it, folks. We love Saw. We love Saw. Uh, and this is news. We're, I'm not even done with the synopsis yet. Wow. There's more. Give me it. Armed with a newfound purpose, the infamous serial killer returns to his work, turning the tables on the con artists in his signature visceral way through devious, deranged, and ingenious traps. That's my guy. That sounds like my jigsaw. End of synopsis. Moving on. So that's the big news of the week, according to us. Um, And the world, I think. Everybody. Was, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I go out in the street, I turn around, and I see, you know, people open up a newspaper, uh, and on the front page, it says, you know, Saw X synopsis, you know, on every newspaper. Um, and then I'm, you know, waiting in line in the coffee shop, and I hear murmurs of, did you did you hear that John Kramer is back? And, and then I hear murmurs of, like, he's in Mexico now. And then somebody <laughs> else says... Between Saw 1 and 2? So everybody's talking about this. I go to my water cooler. Uh, first thing that, you know, Joe Blow says to me, he goes, Hey, Marcelo, uh, did you see the game last night? I go, no, I didn't see it. And he goes, oh, too bad. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. Uh, okay, so next bit of news. Uh, we got to talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I should. I know. Whatever it is, I, I we should, do. I should have said this up front, uh, and we and we kind of did say it already. Uh, we fully support the strike. Uh, we support the union. Which one? SAG-AFTRA, uh, WGA. <laughs> yeah, there's the. Okay, there's more than a one. We or support two or three one strikes. of them, though. We support the strike. <laughs> there so are a lot of strikes. Actually, let's put it on wax. Which one do we like? Every single strike we like. <laughs> How about that? Let's okay. make, make it as clear as possible. We support all unions. The grinder that? strike. That one's good. Wait, there's a grinder strike? Yeah, grinder people are trying, or not strike, but they're trying to unionize uh, the grinder oh. tech workers. Oh, the tech workers. I thought you meant the grinder people on, you know, the, the people who use grinder are <laughs> Which Every gay a- person in America is striking against grinder. <laughs> There's there's sort of a precedent for that because uh, the people uh, on I think Reddit kind of did mm. something similar. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, Reddit moderators yeah. Uh, had a strike that I'm not sure where that's at. It, it might be per Reddit like subreddit 
thing still? I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the details. You might know more about this than me, but... Not really. Um, they're just uh, not happy with certain rules on Reddit. And, like, moderators are unpaid, so, like... And it's kind of like a volunteer thing, and they do have an important, busy job doing it, so, like, I, I, I don't know if they were advocating for pay or for paid moderators. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, I think, uh, too... Uh, like their form of strike was to like um, make certain threads like private or something. Shut or, down, shut yeah, down yeah. lots of active subreddits. Like I, I remember the, the the only one that really affected me was the Squared Circle, the wrestling <laughs> subreddit. <laughs> yeah. So th- there's a movement, right? So and it's happening all across America. I'm part of it. I don't want to get into full details on it. Maybe in the future I will. But yeah, you I'm invented. Also- yeah. Okay. I invented, yeah, well, we're, we're going to say Siobhan. I invented what? You invented AI. Yeah, okay. So you're on the side of, <laughs> the, side um, of the corporations. Not, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything on the record here. <laughs> um, but that's a funny joke you just made. And part of it is true. Um, yeah. So, yes. Uh, uh, I think every episode we should just say this. In terms of the SAG-AFTRA WGA strike, yes... We're supporting that too, along with every other, you know, uh, union uh, who wants to strike and who is striking. Um, and the, the, and I don't know if you've noticed this, Siobhan, on the podcast you listen to, but they've been talking about it too. And also, it's 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 a sort of a weird thing because I didn't I didn't know this until the strike happened, but now uh, actors, um, uh you know, as part of the strike, aren't allowed to promote their work yeah. on, on anything, including podcasts. You're you're so. more up on current podcasts than I am. Is that like affecting interview shows and stuff? Like, well, I I'll say this: like one interview show. I'm not going to name names. So one interview show I listened to this week. Um, it, it felt like they recorded the episode like weeks ago. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, if they were, had recorded that episode this week, it would have been different. Uh, and another another uh, podcast I listened to, they you know, came out up front and said uh, in an intro that's recorded this week, they go, we recorded this uh, interview uh, weeks ago, but we want to acknowledge the strike. And in the interview, they edited out all the promotion for wow. the new thing the actor was there to promote. So that's that was like eye-opening for me. In a good way, I think. Because, hey, I mean, retroactively, I think it's a good thing to say, hey, uh, uh, this actor who was on our show, um, he was there to promote it. But now, since we're on strike, let's take that out. And because it's, it, hey, a strike is supposed to be disruptive. Uh, oh, and also the big news. Also, their studios are pushing back movies. Um, yeah, instead of just giving in and paying actors a fair pay and writers they're going to be losing out on potentially hundreds of millions of dollars to uh push their movies back like entire an entire year or more or continually push movies back i guess uh so they can do promotion when they assume the actors give up which i'm gonna guess doesn't happen right uh one one thing I read was uh, an analyst uh, or somebody on the inside said that studios and the producers could only hold out for a month. So uh, I think by September, uh, hopefully, 
they'll come back to the table and and maybe get a maybe the actors and writers get a good deal. Um, but I can't see them, the studios, holding out for longer than that. Because yeah, they're losing money. They've I mean, done they, it and, for like it's been like three months for the writer strike so far, hasn't it? Yeah, but it's the actors who really are. I mean, it's. I'm not saying the the writers the actors aren't. are more important. I agree. <laughs> I mean, they are. They're, like, they're the face. But in, of, like, they're not yeah. more important to the production, but they are more important to the studios because they are the face of everything. Yeah, and they're the ones who end up being the salesmen of the movie. Um, and yeah. That, yeah, that's the reason why they pushed back Challengers because they knew, like, we're not going to be able to sell this without Zendaya, you know, uh, you know uh, going out there and campaigning for it. Um, and they also push back a 24 is pushing back their movies because, uh, like for problemista, uh, like they want to have Tilda Swinton out there promoting the movie. And right now she's not going to. So yes, it, it's supposed to be disruptive. Like studios are supposed to be like, you know, uh, panicking on, on what they're supposed to do. Not like pushing back movies and making things, you know, predominantly worse. Just, just fucking give them a good deal. I don't know why, I, 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 but yeah, Dune is probably getting pushed back. Dune two, love fall movies, and this will be a huge impact on film festivals because yes, again, actors won't be going to promote their movies at film festivals. So you know, TIFF is up in the air. Uh, uh, what other fall film festivals are there? I'm sure like Fantastic Fest is up in the air, um, and yeah, and Oscar season maybe may maybe dead. Maybe this the year. Oscars. Maybe the Oscars are dead. Oh my God! What would we do? I don't know. Like I, I, I personally can't see this going on for another maybe two or three months. I think maybe three months tops before the the studios producers wise up and and and. and I, come I back would and, have to think that investors would have to be pissed after, uh, even by now, <laughs> with like yeah. they would be missing out on so much money. Like I, yeah, just trying to protect david zaslav i assume like like are, is that worth it to investors I, I i can't imagine so well after this weekend i mean zaslav has one good weekend left in him um and then after that it's it's nothing uh because hey the biggest movie of the year just was just released by warner brothers this past weekend um oh was so, it i didn't know that. yeah i didn't know it was I mean, warner brothers yeah, Barbie is Warner Brothers. I didn't know that. Oh, well, there you go. So, yeah, uh, uh, Barbie Oppenheimer, they were released Yeah, that's what weekend. we're doing here. Huge. <laughs> this is the transition, because I want to say this. Two huge movies of the year were released, uh, seemingly in a landscape where we're not going to see big movies for a while. Uh, so it's interesting that like, we saw this like push... Uh, uh, for these movies by the actors. That promotional run with Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling promoting Barbie, stellar, right? I think Shivani told me off mic about it, uh, and and we'll get your thoughts here in a bit after I stop talking. But also just seeing like Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Killian Murphy, Chris Nolan, and um, uh, Florence Pugh promote Oppenheimer. Pretty cool, too. And then to have the strike happen right when the Oppenheimer uh, premiere happens. Yeah, and then they they walk out. Yeah, Chris Nolan goes on stage after the movie saying, uh, our wonderful cast isn't here because they are on strike. Like, the, the word came in. And so, yeah, Killian, 
Downey Jr., everybody just left, which is good. Um, right. So it's 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 amazing that these two movies, by uh, because they were memeified, sure, Barbie and Oppenheimer, but also because of the power behind them, the actors, the writers, all of that. You see, you see the success because of the creators behind it, and now the studios and producers are saying, like, you know what? No, you know what? It's not. Let's not give. Let's let's not give the writers and actors what they're due. Anyway, I've stopped talking. I'll get off my high horse. Siobhan, what about you? What What do you think about? What about me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess my points on Barbie Oppenheimer. <clears throat> I have not seen either movie. Marcella, we'll get your takes on them in a minute. I just want to say, I think this is like maybe the most successful marketing campaign I have ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, for, for Barbie or Oppenheimer or both? Both. Uh, yeah. It's especially for Barbie uh, because Barbie, it seems like something, it seemed like a joke a few years ago when we heard this movie was getting made. Who was, who was attached to it? It was like Lena Dunham and Amy oh, Schumer, yeah. I believe. Amy Schumer, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that version of the movie probably would have bombed, uh, but they they ended up going with a different filmmaker, a better filmmaker, and uh, making a making what seems like a good movie. I don't know. We'll hear from Marcel in a minute, but that doesn't matter. Uh, like a good movie does not translate to box office success. We know that it can, but it doesn't usually. It doesn't always. Uh, the but like what they did with all this like. Barbie, like she's a Barbie or whatever, or the and he's just Ken, and the bright pink pastel colors, and everything about it just seems like a fun, rad fucking time. And they've spent months and months and months of Barbie being pushed in my face, and I'm not upset about it. I like seeing Barbie stuff still. And then this internet meme kind of happened uh, coincidentally with it when people made the connection of Oppenheimer coming out the same day as uh, Barbie and the Barbie campaign, ki- the, the Barbie campaign kind of embraced that. And the two movies never fought against each other. They kind of like sort of came together <laughs> to create this internet meme uh, that translated into like seemingly massive box office success for both movies. Barbie's probably going to be well over a hundred million and they were projecting Oppenheimer at 50, but I'm going to guess it's at 70 plus. And I, I it just like sincerely, like this is a movie that should have flopped. It's based on a toy. Those movies don't always go very well. I mean, there for every transformers, there's a battleship like, do you know what I mean? Like, do you agree with this at all? That like this, this seems like an unprecedented Marv, uh, campaign to me. I guess before you get into it, I can mention like the other most successful ones I can think of. Uh, in terms of returns, like Paranormal Activity uh, doing the uh, call your theaters and get the movie to come here thing and then that movie makes over a hundred million dollars off of like what a twenty thousand dollar budget or something so like obviously that's probably more success that's that that made them more money uh i don't know for something of this scale i can't think of anything better no i i think you're right uh i mean they got the best director for barbie and i'll give my thoughts on it in a second um but in terms of promotion and 
trailers and like the hype around it. Yeah, Warner Brothers did a good job. Uh, and the star is perfect star, co-star, perfect co-star. Everything's Margot like Robbie. the perfect storm coming together. Yeah, it, it all clicked perfectly. And you would not have gotten that with anybody else, I don't think. It's definitely not with, uh, sorry to say, Diablo Cody and Amy Schumer. Um, it would have been different. It would have been not uh, because it, it would have been adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's I I think they would have and girl come boss, at it, of course. I think yeah I think they would have come at it with a more maybe cynical uh, take on it. Yeah. Um, and not as like lighthearted as Barbie. Yeah, I mean Barbie is lighthearted for sure. It's it's sweet. It's colorful. I think Amy Schumer's Barbie would have been not as much. Um, it would have been funny, sure. Um, but Greta's Barbie is 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 beautiful to look at, but also very deep and moving and smart. Um, I don't think Amy Schumer and Diablo Cody. I mean, Diablo Cody maybe could write a script like that, but I don't know. Greta Gerwig makes it her own, and it's something great. And even before seeing it, yeah, I got that sense. It's like I, I I saw that Greta understood like the property and she you know, uh, I could tell by the trailers like she made it her own thing too. Um, so that's I, I and I think audiences are smart enough to recognize that. They're smart enough to to say, Hey, this looks good. Like this casting is is spot on. Like this I know who the director is. Some some of them may say some of them may say, Oh, I saw Little Women, I saw Lady Bird, I, I know who Greta Gerwig is. Yeah. You know, Oscar nominee Greta Gerwig. Um, and of course, a Nolan movie at this point doesn't need to be sold, really. I mean, you put Nolan's name in front of anything, and people will go to see it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's that. And I think the the meme started like when uh, I because th- I think Oppenheimer had that release date uh, for years, right? For maybe two years. And then I think maybe last year, a little before last year, maybe a year and a half ago, Warner Brothers was like, oh, "Okay, we're going to release our Barbie movie this day." I think that's when it started. It's like, oh, Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same day, huh? And I don't know. I I'm interested to learn where the um, etymology of the of the two names coming together, where, uh, like when that began. When I want to know who who I, I want to know who started ba- Barbenheimer. Uh, that that portmanteau. I do too, uh, but because yeah. they are going to be responsible for a not insignificant amount of success for especially Oppenheimer. Because uh, yeah. I, I think I think Oppenheimer is going to is greatly benefiting from this, and uh, at least the Barbie side seems to be embracing that. Uh, the the <laughs> the Oppenheimer side, like I mean, they they did the the press photos right with uh, uh, Tom Cruise and McQuarrie going to both movies or whatever, showing the tickets for Barbie and Oppenheimer, and then yeah. the other one was Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie showing their tickets for Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible. And then yeah. I think uh, uh, Christopher Nolan and Killian Murphy, I think they stayed at home. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. They're, 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 they seemingly embrace it, and, like, it is going to be a massive success for a meme thing. Like, for an internet meme thing for the first time ever has, like, worked out, like, that never translates to box office. Like uh, uh, snakes on a plane is like the most infamous example, right? Yeah, yeah. In terms of the memes, uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, because I'm sure it's happened before. I don't have anything. Well, I mean, we talked about it last week, actually. You know, I, I was going to say I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but hey, last week we talked about the Dark Knight and Mamma Mia, 
and I think that counter programming worked uh, for both of those movies because like we we went through the details of those movies. By the way, yeah. go back and listen to that episode. It's a good episode, by the way. The one the one we did last. Great week. one. Good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Special guest. Yeah, with special guest uh, who I'll bring up later. Uh, so anyway, I think this counter programming um, would have worked regardless of memes. Um, but I think it's worked even better because of the memes. Like Nor- it's been normal it's, offline people know about Barbenheimer. Not everybody, but a lot of people yeah. do. Yeah, and, and I think like uh, if if these were released like maybe twenty years ago, or let's say fifteen years ago with the Dark Knight and Mamma Mia, like if it were Barbie and Oppenheimer, I think they'd have equal success as what those two movies did. Because the Dark Mama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dark Knight became a huge hit. Mamma Mia became a huge hit on its own. Um, uh, massive successes in their own right. And now here we have two movies that, yeah, I think it's just because they're smarter. They're uh, they 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 can cross the uh, demographics in terms of like who wants to see them. Yeah. This is like a good uh, uh, you know date movie uh, you know movie outing right or just a family outing. Yeah. You know, if if you're the right family. <laughs> yeah, I, I think 15 years ago, it probably was framed more as Dark Knight versus Mamma Mia. It's like, if you're oh, yeah, a boy, you're, right. you're going to go to this. If you're a girl, you're going to go to this. This year, or now, 15 years after we're so matured as a culture, uh, it's kind of like, it's Barbie and Oppenheimer. We're going to go to both. Everybody can go to both. You know? You're right. Yeah, it's no, it's, yeah, this is not like necessarily counter-programming. It is, it's just programming. Uh, yeah, right. a weird way. And it's a week uh, after Mission Impossible. You can't forget that either. A major franchise entry in like one of the most successful film franchises ever, still popular as as popular as it's ever been. Tom Cruise uh, movies popcorn. Um like he's he's still a bankable movie star. He's becoming even more of a bankable, bankable movie star as time goes on. It's it, it uh, his, his movies coming in at number three. It's, it's still making money. I think yeah. it crossed a hundred million, um, at the domestic box office. Um, but yeah, but yeah, but to that point of the memification and the, and the programming, the, the, the double bill programming, there are people doing it. Uh, I did it, uh, the other night, uh, the Barbenheimer, the Barbenheimer double feature. Not only, I mean, do we have two movies that people want to go see? Uh, they're seeing these movies back to back. I don't. I, I, I'm interested to see how many people have done the Barbenheimer thing. Uh, that's right? crazy too, because it's a it's a literally a three hour historical epic, ver- yeah. and versus like a two hour plus uh, pop fun thing. You know. Yeah. Uh, is Barbie that long? How long is Barbie? I think it's I a little over Barbie. two hours. Let me look it up. I, I, I've seen Barbie twice now. I don't know how long it is. Uh, oh, when I, when I type in Barbie in Google, uh, the whole screen goes pink. Or maybe those. Oh, yeah. And if, if you look up Greta Gerwig or Margot nice. Robbie or Ryan Gosling, there's little pink fireworks that go off. So Barbie is a little under two hours. It's uh, 114 minutes. So 154. That's exactly what I said. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, I I wanted just to just confirm. I I wasn't trying to call you out. I just no, you got my ass. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the the double feature of Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, uh, I I don't know. Just to wrap it up, this this little part of the conversation, because we'll talk about the movies here in a bit, or 
I'll talk about the movies here in a bit. Um, I, I, I love it. It's, it, it feels like a good thing, right? Um, at least that, that, I think, I think we can agree on that. You and I, Siobhan, yes. I think other people are kind of sick of it. I have no They're, problem with it. I, I'm not sick of it. I think the, I think everything about it has been fun. Just, just good yeah. stuff. Because it's two good movies by two great directors. That's the other thing is like two good movies by two great directors. Like this is yeah. happening to the right movies. Exactly. Yeah. I, I would not have been happy about like Barbie and Transformers Rise of the Beasts. It's like that would not have had the same impact on me uh, or anybody in America. Uh, one, one little fact here I, I looked up before we recorded um, some guy on Twitter, mm. Luis Fernando. Um, he, he tweeted this out Friday. He goes, this weekend could be history in the making as all films combined could hit as much as 300 million in three days. Uh, if this does happen, it'll be the first time since Avengers end games weekend debut and just the fourth time in history th- that the domestic box office hits 300 million on a single three day weekend. Wild. Yeah. And it did. And it is doing it. Off and of the num- Barbie. And the numbers so far, as of this Saturday morning, uh, Barbie is is going to hit 150 million this weekend, uh, upwards of 160, which is pretty good, pretty damn good. Barbie's opening weekend will be the biggest opening weekend weekend of the of the year, uh, beating out Super Mario Brothers, which is the last uh, big opening. And Oppenheimer is going to hit around 70 million which is amazing considering it's like an r-rated three-hour you know uh biopic uh, and and it could hit upwards of 77 million so pretty good so those are the numbers these are huge hits uh and we did it folks together uh as a nation we, we came together this we came together we saw barbenheimer uh the movies are indeed back Okay. We brought the movies back as a people. Yes, we did. We and Marcella did. says they're both great. So uh, actually, so that's the news. Mm-hmm. Next on my list is what else have we been watching? What is it that the rest of us have also been watching? <laughs> and I'll get into my thoughts on Barbie and Oppenheimer in a bit. But Siobhan, I I I, I don't I follow you on Letterboxd, right? But you don't look at um, it. I don't. Not on Letterboxd, <laughs> but. There is a feature on our Discord, which, uh, where, hey, I know you just said this, but where can people go if they want to join our Discord? If they're tired of the bullshit on Twitter, if they're tired of seeing nothing but influencers uh, thread on threads and nobody's on Blue Sky, where can they go? Talkfilmsociety.com slash Discord or reach out to one of us and you can get a link to the Discord. Come hang out. Family, fun, friends in the place. We're doing it. Talk about movie. Yeah. We're talking about movie, and on there, there's a little channel where a little robot uh, pulls all the litterboxed entries of those who want their entries to be, uh, you know, shown on this channel. And I see people's, you know, letterboxed entries. I yeah, see, yeah, I yeah. see, you know, our, our your friend of the show, yeah, uh, Matt yeah. Carrion's letterboxed right, yeah. in there. Um, other people. Uh, and also Siobhan, I see Siobhan log movies on there, and I, I've seen, I've seen, uh, I've seen you so watch things. I, I've got a handful that I think apply to this. Uh, so yeah. how much do you want me to say here? Because I, I, I've got, 
a good number actually that I think directly apply to this conversation or at least end last week's. Let's do it. Let, let you know okay. what? Let's dive into as many as you okay. want to share. So, Mamma Mia, Abba, you know that, right? I know Mamma Mia, I know Abba, yeah. Yeah. Or Abba? Which which one was it? What did Elise say it was? Is it Abba? I think it was Abba. Abba. Abba's right? the correct one, okay. Yeah. Well, um I wa my mother, uh Abba. also an Abba. Abba Abba. Also an Abba fan. Oh, sorry, Elise. She wanted to uh, watch uh, an, a favorite movie of hers, uh, Muriel's Wedding, which has a soundtrack by ABBA, uh, largely oh. consisting of ABBA music. It's a Tony Collette um, Australian movie um, about uh, Muriel. She is a uh, horribly abused <laughs> uh, woman living in a horrible uh, family. Uh, terrible father mother it, it all sucks her life fucking sucks everybody hates her for seemingly no reason uh, it's a comedy i guess it never made me laugh it made me just horribly <laughs> depressed and uh i hated it but there's some abba songs in there and tony collette has a good performance and it, it was interesting seeing an early tony collette and i i frankly i didn't know she was australian muriel's wedding muriel's wedding that is a pass in the book of Siobhan, but a uh, good Tony Collette performance. Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, yeah. She's good in it. That's exactly what I said. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'm listening. Uh, last week I reported that I fell asleep during asteroid city. I watched asteroid city again. I had a great time. I enjoyed it. Good. Yeah. I saw that uh, again this past week. Um, uh, or maybe last week. I can't remember if I said it on the show last week. Still great. I'm glad you got to see the whole thing. Yeah. I, I it, is probably my favorite Wes Anderson now. Um, this is so good. Uh, one unfortunate thing is watching it at home on my TV was terrible. Like, uh, I, I can remember in the theater how good the movie looked, and on this TV, I could not. Do, I, I tried so hard with settings trying to make it look good. I just couldn't make it happen. But look, if you got a good TV, I'm sure it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It's on VOD now, um, as Eshevan said. It, the, the, you, you saw it at home. Uh, I, yeah. I might see it again in, in a theater. I'm, I'm lucky enough to uh, be, be near a theater that's still playing Asteroid City. Uh, freight train, it's a good freight theater. train, go so fast. Experience. Freight train, freight train. Uh, Dara, b- b- blockbusters in general talk. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I got to see that finally. Yeah? What'd you think? Okay, so Guardians of the Galaxy, it might be my favorite subset of, uh, like, sub-franchise within the franchise of the MCU. Like, Oh, and, and, and by the way, uh, I made a rule last week of uh, no MCU mentions on this show. No MCU talk, that's right, yeah. Uh, but continue with the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume yeah. 3 talk. Um, and it also might be Captain America, but Captain America is about to get ruined. So, um, Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite sub 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 franchise in the, in the, in the umbrella of the MCU and get James Gunn. He brought it home. I thought it was a really emotional movie, a really like a good reminder of like how good these MCU movies can be how good they were, how good James Gunn is as a filmmaker. You know, like if if they have a person behind the camera really able to take 
I don't know if risks is the right word, but somebody they allow power to other than Kevin Feige. Like, they can make something great. Like, great popcorn entertainment that is uh, emotionally meaningful. Like, I just had a really, a wonderful time watching it. And I think, I think that's like the last of the MCU that like I really care about, you know, like I, I stuff coming out that I want to see, of course, but like of the old guard, like this is kind of the end of it. Um, like stuff coming out like blade or whatever, like I'm interested in mildly, you know, you know what I mean? Like this feels kind of like the capper in the way that, Maybe the Flash or Aquaman two is gonna feel for the DCEU, right? Yeah, and I think uh, I, I yeah I'm in agreement. I think ultimately it'll be a good thing mm-hmm. uh, because I think the MCU for sure they've kind of sat on uh, they become a bit too complacent uh, in saying hey if we just have uh, the MCU as a brand that'll bring people in right. Nothing in the horizon gives me any hope for the MCU coming back to the golden days, I think, of let's get a James Gunn in front of the camera. You know, let's get a, even Chloe Zhao. You know, let's get, uh, I don't know, early John Favreau <laughs> back Edgar behind the camera. Shane, Shane Black. Yeah, uh, yeah, Edgar Wright. God damn it. I'm never going to get over that. Me, um, me neither. But <clears throat> anyway, you were saying. Don't say man movies suck. Uh, so yeah, Guardians and Guardians has its own ending too. Like this feel that, that the way it ends, that felt like a definitive ending to me. Only like it's it, it's like open ended. Everybody could come back together, I guess. But just knowing all the behind the scenes stuff, I don't think Batista's interested. I don't think uh, Zoe Saldana is interested. Chris Pratt probably would be, but. I don't feel like any of them are all that interested in coming back to this unless James Gunn was on board, which just isn't going to happen anymore. So, like, I genuinely think the Guardians are done. Maybe there will be Chris Pratt in, like, the next Avengers movie or whatever. But, like, do do you know what I mean? Like, I think it felt very definitively ended. Uh, I'm going to say... I hope this is the end for the Guardians because it feels like a good definitive ending. such a good ending. But it, I wouldn't put it past Feige and Marvel to say, hey, let's do another Guardians with a different director. Um, and I think James Gunn would just have to be like, it's fuck, it's your show, man, but I'm I, done. I hope, I really hope that Batista and Zoe Saldana are out of their contracts by now. Yeah, they, they may be done. I mean, Bradley Cooper may come back. Um, yeah, th- yeah th- it, it does tease a possibility of another one with a different set of guardians, but yeah, yeah, I yeah, I don't I I don't see Batista or some of the others coming back. Um, Interstellar. Okay, so relating to Oppenheimer, I watched Interstellar and Insomnia. They were my last two. Um, oh, uh, blind spots on uh, of uh, Christopher Nolan's filmography. Yeah, um, Interstellar. Uh, you know, like gorgeous movie. Um, I felt. Maybe plot-wise, it was a little contrived. I didn't really like the how killing off one person every 30 minutes thing, you know. Like, none of that really interested me. But then every time they'd go through a wormhole or see a new planet or whatever, I was like, just 
fucking blown away. It's like these visuals are out of this world. Uh, the who's his who's his DP? Um, oh, uh, for Interstellar for for his last like five movies, he's had the same guy. He's, he's just uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema, right? Yeah, but yeah, yes, uh, because I I forget when the. Um, because uh, Wally Fister was his DP yeah. for the longest time, I think up until Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight and then Rises. it was uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema, yeah. Yeah, and that man knows how to shoot a goddamn movie. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, Interstellar's gorgeous. Um, and I, it uh, it's kind of play with, like, interdimensional time travel uh fifth dimension shit. Like, I thought that stuff was pretty interesting but again just on like a basic plot level i don't think it flows very well i think there's probably a more interesting movie to have been made about just anne hathaway and matthew mcconaughey basically being the only ones up there um and maybe the maybe the tech guy and uh i thought the whole matt damon thing sucked (laughs) um and you know the stuff on earth is uh was fine yeah, yeah. Like, it didn't really affect me all that much. Um, I've had I've had a history with that movie in that I kind of felt how you felt when I first watched it, but then it's become sort of a comfort movie for me when I move. I, I have it mm-hmm. on uh, when I move. Um, I've done it like maybe th- three times in the last like five years or six seven years now. Um, and I don't know. I, I, every time I see it, I like it a little bit more. I saw on a bit on the I've big screen. That. I've heard that. I saw on the big screen this past year. Um, and I don't know. I I feel like not. It's not the best Nolan, but it does have its parts. It is beautiful. It's got a good cast. The Matt Damon thing it bothers me less and less every time I see it. But it's mm. still weird. It's still bizarre that that happens. Although. To think that the fate of the human race depends on like a fist fight of two dudes <laughs> like on an ice planet—it's kind of funny to me. And, 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 and I think and I think Chris Nolan thinks it's funny or thinks it's apt. Like the human race is to be decided by a fist fight on an ice planet. I wanted I wanted a, a bit more. I wanted it to be a bit more two thousand one, and a bit less, you know whatever else like kind of not alien but like star wars ish i don't know like what what's the best example of like a um, science fiction movie like that insomnia on a planet yeah okay and Ins- insomnia really dug it like totally solid ass cop movie i understand that christopher nolan like clearly he has larger intentions beyond this as a filmmaker but like frankly if he made another insomnia i'd be pretty happy uh, and that's about oh, Al Pacino. It's wonderful. That's about wow. all I have to say that like matters. You know, like I saw a few more movies, but like I, I've talked about too much. Marcelo, what is it that you have been watching? All right, so I saw Barbie and. I want me to do my whole Christopher Nolan rankings. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, uh, before I talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer, you, you you give me your rankings on Nolan. Okay, I have not seen Oppenheimer. All right. All right. Starting from the top down or bottom up, which one? Uh, bo- uh, yeah, go from the bottom, then up, then bottom go up. the top. Yeah, all the, the Prestige is his worst movie by far. Controversial take. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, Tenet. Uh, look, I'm sorry. It's a great, gorgeous movie. It's just something that I cannot get out of my head about. I understand. It's like fucking dorky to say it doesn't make sense. 
I don't, I don't care. This is my one movie that I do that with. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't like Tenet. Controversial for me because I love Tenet. Uh, you love Tenet. And a lot of people love Tenet. And I understand why people love Tenet. But I, it's just something like I can't get out of my head about it. I can't wrap my head around the basic concept. I think it doesn't make sense. And to me, that doesn't usually bother me. But in this specific instance with this specific movie, it bothers me. And I'm sorry. Accepted. Uh, Batman Begins. Uh, you know. Okay, following. Eh, you know. Um, <laughs> seven, Interstellar. Yeah. Uh, six, The Dark Knight. Um, liked it a lot less last time when we watched it, but I still respect it a lot. Five, Memento. Been a long time, but, you know, that was like an early movie for me. That was like, whoa, whoa, what, what? How'd they do that? Uh, four, Insomnia. I liked it a lot. <laughs> Um, three, Dark Knight Rises, the best Dark Knight film, um, in the trilogy. And, uh, you know, just can't be good fun. Uh, two, Inception, I think just a fucking, like, bam, banger of a action movie. And number one, Dunkirk, it is his most personally affecting movie to me, which is why I'm super excited about Oppenheimer, because it's going to be dealing with similar things. So, Marcelo, continue your time. Dunkirk's his best movie. Um, I'm not going to Van Hoytema. Oh my God. Yeah. Just, just on another level with that shit. He knows how to shoot a movie. Um, so I did the Oppenheimer Barbie double feature, the Barbenheimer double feature, um, on Thursday of this past week, uh, Thursday, the 20th. Uh, I did see Barbie, uh, before that though. Uh, I saw it at an early screening on Wednesday. We, we went dressed in, uh, you know, pinkish colors. I did. Yeah. You're, 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 your photos were very cute. Yes. I must say my girlfriend, you, at least you, you and your girlfriend, you, you, you both look beautiful and her friend. Uh, we went the three of us, um, at least looked amazing in, in, in the pink she was wearing. And I looked okay in the outfit I was on. I was in, um, Marcella, you, look, <laughs> you, 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 you looked fabulous, babe. Thank you. I'll take that compliment. Um, but it was thanks to Elise. Uh, she helped pick out the shirt. Uh, anyway, Fun screening, amazing screening. Actually, uh, we were in a sea of pink on Wednesday. Uh, everybody, of course, was there, hyped to see Barbie. Uh, we were seeing it early, and yeah, I don't know, it was an amazing experience. Um, so I saw that Wednesday, and then Thursday, I was like, okay, uh, uh, I should have mentioned this in the news segment, but uh, sit back, relax. I got a thing to talk about in in, in relation to uh, Oppenheimer. And by the way, we have a topic this episode, which I realized we didn't even talk about in the opening, um, which I think we'll get to in the last 10 minutes of this of this show. <laughs> I think I'm going to title the show what the topic is, <laughs> but we'll talk about it for 10 minutes and that's it. <laughs> um, so uh, Oppenheimer. So this week I knew I uh, as the week started and the, the Barbenheimer hype was growing and growing. I knew it was like, okay, well, the way it's going to work out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see Barbie on Wednesday, and I'm not going to see Oppenheimer until, you know, later. Uh, and I had bought a ticket to see Oppenheimer Saturday morning at one of the, like, 20 movie theaters that were playing it in IMAX 70mm. All right? Crazy. So I'm like, okay, original plan. I'm going to see Barbie on Wednesday and then wait until Saturday morning to see Oppenheimer the way Christopher Nolan 
wants it to be seen on a big IMAX screen projected in 70 millimeter IMAX film. That was the plan. And then I'm like, okay, I had heard some things about the Oppenheimer press screenings uh, where they were playing it on film in 70 millimeter and things were going wrong. So I'm like, okay, I had this pit in my stomach. Like, what if I drive? Because I would have been driving. I would have driven to San Antonio this morning, Saturday, to see Oppenheimer and 70 millimeter in San Antonio at the AMC River Center. <laughs> I laugh because I've lived in San Antonio for six years. That I that AMC IMAX screen, not the best. It confounds yeah. me to think that one of the like the twenty screens where you can properly see, the, you know, the version of this movie that no one wants you to see, seventy millimeter IMAX. One of those theaters is at the River Center AMC IMAX. It's bizarre. Um, and here in in town in Austin, we do have a, a proper IMAX screen, but that's laser IMAX. That's digital. You know, it's not on film. Ooh. Um, but anyway, I'm like, okay. Ooh. What if something goes wrong at the San Antonio uh, IMAX screening? What if I drive there and the, the you know, uh, 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 I'm not going to uh, throw any you know shade towards the projectionist, but I'm I wasn't confident in the AMC itself, right? I, and it's hard, like projectionists, like it's kind of a lost art because like it's all been digital for so long. Like it's gotta be a very highly specialized thing. People that actually know how to project these movies in on film in general. Uh, but especially with like a fucking 700 pound IMAX <laughs> reel that like is pr- like probably so hard to deal with. Exactly. So my, uh, my thought was, okay, there are going to be some hiccups like that they're going to be a projectionist arriving at this theater and maybe not everything is in place. Uh, Cause they, they're like, like uh, we have a friend. Well, I don't know if he wants to, you know, put this on the record, but I have a friend or we have a friend. Uh, maybe that's narrowing it down. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Who has said that they're flying, you know, these projectionists like from state to state to play Oppenheimer, uh, you know, yeah, on film. Right. Sense. Um, the, the the same uh, I think maybe company or group that also did the Hateful Eight screenings, you know, back in the day. Right. Um. Anyway, so I I I, I was worried. So what what I just finally ended up doing was okay. I'm gonna go see Oppenheimer in Dolby Cinema on digital the first time, because uh, I've only had one thing go wrong in Adobe cinema in my entire life going there for years now. So just, just, just to play it safe. I said, okay, Thursday, uh, after work going straight to the Adobe cinema, I managed to get a ticket to see Oppenheimer that day on Thursday. And to your point, Siobhan, uh, you said an hour ago, very hard. Oh, you said this on mic, right? It, it was very hard to, maybe it was, it was off mic. Like you're you're trying to see a uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. So, yeah, I wanted to go to both of these movies. I made the fool's mistake of not buying the tickets ahead of time and then getting kind of screwed. Where like my only options were scattered single seats here and there or front row. Right, right. And uh, who I was going to be going with, I couldn't do a single seat, and they didn't want to do front row. Right, did I? Yeah. So like it just we couldn't do it. But I was like, okay, I'm gonna find a single seat. In this Dolby Cinema, 
and it was kind of a game of like reloading the AMC app uh, to see who like who 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 were refunding their tickets before the screening. You know, uh, right. I, I I'm I. I refresh the app every 10 minutes to see if there are seats available. And yeah, I got a single seat, like right in the middle, like where I wanted, wanted to sit like an hour before the show. So I'm like, okay, perfect. So race to see Oppenheimer at this AMC, uh, Adobe cinema on Thursday, like 6 PM got there, watched the movie. It was amazing. I'm glad I got to see it that way. Cause Adobe cinema is still loud. It still looks great. Not on film. But still an amazing experience. I will eventually see Oppenheimer on 70mm IMAX, fingers crossed, uh, maybe next week. I might drive to San Antonio uh, with Elise, a dragger, and we'll go to see Oppenheimer the way Nolan wanted to see it. Wanted us to see it. So Oppenheimer just... I need to see it again, but it's one of those movies where the experience by the end, it's just so... (sighs) I guess grim is the right word and um, <laughs> devastating. The uh, man becomes death, destroyer of worlds. Yeah. I mean, what else, what are you going to expect? And to Nolan's credit, I think, you know, this balancing act of uh, maybe portraying Oppenheimer as like this hero or villain or whatever. I think it is a good job of expressing how, how important Oppenheimer was, but not necessarily giving him a break. You know the man because he did what he did, and he lived with that his you know his entire life after that, with creating the atom bomb, um, and you feel that uh, by the end, especially by the end, and it's it takes it out of you. Uh, it's three hours. I feel I wouldn't say it's like an exceptional movie uh, in like the top tier Nolan movies in my book. Like for me, it's like Inception, <laughs> Memento. Maybe Dunkirk, maybe my top three, um, and I don't think it hits. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it breaks that top three, but it's still very good. Maybe I need to see it again, just to you know, maybe maybe yeah. Uh, it was a lot to take in. I'll say three hours, where like an hour of it by the end is a lot of like uh, 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 you know uh, trial hearings and a lot of back and forth verbally. Uh, with these characters, it is engaging. I will say that, but it, it is a lot maybe to experience in one sitting, and and I'll say maybe going out there to see it for a second time. You know, I'm not like enthused about it in a way of like like how I'd see Barbie for a second time or third time because that just gives you a charge, right? Seeing Barbie. Um, uh, I mean, I you know this, you you know this eventually, Siobhan, but uh, Barbie is a very, very watchable movie. Oppenheimer, I think, to its credit is a dark experience that you don't necessarily want to see again, but I think to, you know, I guess fully appreciate it. Maybe you need to see it maybe one more time, maybe. So I don't know. I, I, I hope that makes sense because I think he did his job. I think what he wanted to do in Oppenheimer, he did. And he, I think he even said it himself, like, and I should have believed him. Nolan said, yeah, I, I've, I've known people who have seen this movie and have come out of it like feeling complete dread. And he did it. He did it with Oppenheimer. So that was Thursday uh, night. Well, uh, before you move on, um, we, we reported in the news last week uh, uh, about <laughs> <clears throat> there being uh, sex scenes in Oppenheimer. We were we were hoping Killian hit Hung Dong. 
Uh, can you report on this? Can you can you confirm? <sighs> so okay, so do, uh, do you want me to confirm seriously on Mike whether we see Killian Dong in Oppenheimer? Yes, I absolutely want you to do that. Okay, so here we go. And if you don't want to hear this, folks, fast forward. It's not like we haven't seen it before. We got tw- oh, twenty eight or 27 days later he, he, uh, tw- 28 days later 28 days later yeah. uh okay all right so here's breaking news <laughs> killian murphy does not show dong oh, in Oppenheimer. no no i mean a robot at least um you do see a lot of him and there is, uh, uh, you, you see, you see plenty of uh, Florence Pugh, if that interests you. Um, no, it certainly does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, calm down. Um, but you do, you do see a lot of killing there. I don't want to get in. I don't, I don't want to get fully into this, but there is a shot where you see a lot of killing in a way. I don't think we've seen him before. Mm. <laughs> all right, calm down. All right. all right, calm down. All right, let's move on. Barbie. Barbie. So that night after Oppenheimer Thursday, I'm like, let's do it. I was on the fence about seeing Barbie right after Oppenheimer, but I felt like I needed that. And I think the perfect way to do this double feature is seeing Oppenheimer first and then Barbie. Because after the down note of Oppenheimer, of, you know, realizing that the human race is is doomed to self-extinction, uh, you gotta see Barbie. As, as it is the coward's way, but it is probably the right way for your own mental health. Yeah, for mental health's sake, right? Um, so I, I had seen Barbie already, so I was like, you know what? They're playing it in the same Dolby screen as Oppenheimer at like 10.45 p.m. Because I saw Oppenheimer at 6, so I go, fuck it, let's do it. So I got the ticket, and I did the same thing as I did with Oppenheimer, I because it was a packed show. I refreshed my AMC app. I finally got a seat that I wanted because somebody had refunded their seat. Um, and I saw Barbie again. And I'll tell you what, uh, just as good the uh, second time as the first time. I, I said this earlier. It's smart. It's funny. Uh, has a lot of Greta Gerwig in it. Uh, if, if you've seen her, you know, her, her films that she's written with Noah Baumbach and her, you know, directorial films you get that sense of Gerwig in this. The Chris, a, a criticism I've read, and I think other people have, have said this too, is that it's it may be too like uh, laser focused in like one sort of like women's point of view on you know Barbie and womanhood, you know. But I think back to something that Steven Spielberg said about Lady Bird when when that came out. Um, Steven Spielberg, more like it. Thank you. So Spielberg said about Lady Bird that it is a very um, like specific story about a specific you know girl in a specific time, but it feels like a story for everybody. It's it's entirely relatable, right, to that specific story. Um, that specific story is relatable to a lot of people. Even to Steven Spielberg, an 80-year-old filmmaker, can relate to Lady Bird, the character. And I feel that way with Barbie um, and Margot Robbie's character's you know, journey. A lot of things she said, her character uh, said in the movie, really touched me. Um, and 
I also appreciated all the. I appreciate it, even though I don't. You know, I'm not a woman. I don't know. I, I appreciate her saying everything she did in the movie. Um, and I don't know. I, I it's 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 refreshing in a way that you don't see too often. Big blockbusters. You know, a filmmaker just basically burying their soul and saying, "This is what I believe, and this is what I stand for." And it, it, it can be perceived as like very specific, very like, you know, uh, you know, through one person's point of view. But I mean, that's fucking film like they, uh, this whole fucking auteur theory and all this bullshit, you know, that that's all like male centric. It's like, why can't like a woman do that, too? Why can't, you know, uh, uh, Greta Gorig make sort of like a, the third in her, you know, uh, directorial you know, filmography? Why can't. All these movies say sort of the same thing, which I think they do, but in like their own, you know, certain ways in each movie. So I don't know. I'm rambling on and on, Siobhan. I don't know if you have anything to to, to say about this, but I've tried my best to sort of, you know, uh, share my thoughts on Barbie. So have I done a good job? You'll be the judge. You've... You've absolutely nailed it. I feel like I know everything <laughs> about Barbie now. How's the supporting cast? How's the supporting cast? It's, oh my gosh! So I've I've heard mixed things about this. About oh about 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 how who what about the supporting cast? Uh, I will say Ryan Gosling, the co-star, he's incredible. Um, okay. I, uh, Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. Uh, I mean, so the thing is. I didn't have a problem with the supporting cast, but I think I'm, I'm going to guess what other people. Simu Liu. I'm, uh, I'm going to guess that maybe people's problem problem with the cast is maybe the criticism is they're not committing to the bit, maybe. Uh, which really? I, I I kind of see that uh, because <laughs> it is a the 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 tone I think is kind of hard to nail, uh, and maybe some of the supporting cast they. Maybe they don't get it. I don't know. I, I, I think they all do their best. I don't think there's a weak spot in it. But I, I think you'll know what I'm saying after you see the movie, uh, Siobhan. I think it's 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 so odd. Like the, uh, uh, the, 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 the Barbie world scenes. It's like it, it's, it's very hard to even describe. Like they're, they're all saying these lines, but they're all saying it like in a very stilted way on purpose so maybe some actors we're dolls, they're right? dolls right yeah so so maybe <laughs> maybe that's the criticism i don't know what the criticism is you've heard these people say the supporting cast isn't great so i uh, i can't read their minds uh, uh and last thing about supporting performances my guy i don't feel like i've seen him in a long time not since uh penny dreadful how is my guy josh hartnett in oppenheimer <laughs> I thought, I thought I was like, who in Penny Dreadful was in Barbie? Um, <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait. So, okay, I, I guess this will tie into Barbie. Um, so, Ryan Gosling in Barbie, maybe my favorite supporting actor performance of the year so far, right? Um, but I think a lot of the supporting cast of Oppenheimer, they're up there. And um, the Penny Dreadful... Uh, a star, uh, Josh Hartnett, right? That's him. Yep. Uh, I didn't know that was him. 
until like halfway through the movie, I go, that guy kind of looks like Josh Hartnett. Oh, it is Josh Hartnett. <laughs> He's pretty good. Um, I like that guy a lot. Yeah, but it, it he does show up a lot in in, in, Opp- in Oppenheimer. Oh, but wow. I think, but I think the supporting star, like maybe the performance of of the film, along with Killian Murphy, is Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer. I, oh, he does a Robbie. he does a great job. So, RBJ. I've seen two great supporting actor performances and two great movies this past weekend. Ryan Gosling and Robert Downey Jr. So, All right. So we saw Barbie. We saw Oppenheimer, both of us. And uh, we loved both of them. Uh, favorite films of the year. Where do they rank on the on the year for you? Either of them crack your top 20? Yeah. Uh, I just updated my list. Uh, so, uh, how, yeah, let, let's... This part of the show is called Marcelo Checks His Best of List. Uh, but uh, Barbie jumped up to number three on my list. So it, it's in my top five. Barbie might might stay in my top ten throughout wow. the rest of the year. Wowzers. Oppenheimer jumped up to number eight. Wow, uh, and he didn't even like it that much. Yeah, I liked it. I just didn't like love it, love it. You can't uh, love something like that. You're going to be depressed sad. <laughs> And you got to respect it, but you can't say I like it. <laughs> but okay, my my one okay. A I have many criticisms about Oppenheimer. Well, not many. I have like a handful. A couple. But one thing I you can have a few. That's okay. One thing I, <laughs> one thing I I, I kind of uh, was looking for that I don't think he kind of nailed was how, like. Dunkirk to you, that's your favorite Nolan, right? It is, yeah. I think to me, like that's his masterpiece in the sense of how he wants to tell a story, of of the structure of a story. It's like that movie is structured perfectly. Like yeah. those, like what, like three or four storylines all moving forward at different, you know, times and spaces all converging at one point at the end. It's all really sparse too. Like it's not, the the dialogue is so, ah, fuck. I love that movie. So I think that's perfect in how it's structured. Oppenheimer, not perfect. It's restrained. Oppenheimer, not perfect in how it's structured. Like it, it, it it could have had another maybe pass in editing or the screenplay, but Hey, I'm comparing two Nolan movies. I think I'm rightful in doing that. I think he's done, this narrative work better in a movie like Dunkirk. So sorry, Oppenheimer. Apologies to Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> so the main so, topic of this main episode topic. <laughs> is what War is Verbinski's coming, shut up. Pirates of the what Caribbean is com- Shut up. Shut up. What is coming out? We got, <laughs> before we say what we're doing, we got to say why we're doing it. Oh, that's right. So what's coming out next week, Marcella? What's the big movie next week that's going to challenge Barbie and Oppenheimer (laughs) and Mission Impossible? Uh, A a movie that I think is still coming out. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) as of this recording, The Haunted Mansion comes out next week. The Haunted Mansion, yes. The Haunted Mansion. Oh, sorry. Based on a ride at Disneyland, the second attempt at making this film. Sorry, Haunted Mansion. I made this mistake last week. Oh, last week. one is the Haunted Mansion. This one's Haunted Mansion. Yeah, the Eddie Murphy one was the Haunted Mansion. Haunted right. Mansion is next week's movie. Uh, that'll come in like at fourth place next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, 
it's the complete opposite. I'm hyped for Barbie. I was hyped for Barbie, hyped for Oppenheimer. I could give two shits about Haunted Mansion. Who cares? Who could possibly care? Did you, uh, the the funny thing about it, the the funny Haunted Mansion story is uh, the red carpet. None of the actors uh, attended, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So they just had uh, people like probably from Disney World dressed up as uh, dressed up as like Minnie Mouse or whatever coming to to the premiere of Oppenheimer walking the or Oppenheimer of Haunted, Mansion, <laughs> of Haunted Mansion walking the red carpet, which is just, it was baffling. Uh, well, uh, I, I, I can't say, you know, wh- what's funny is, uh, I, I, I pitched this episode. I was like, let's do Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's talk this about was your baby. Uh, yeah, this was. And now I'm like, I don't know. I, I, we just spent like 20 minutes talking about the strike earlier about how actors aren't going to promote like other things. And, and, and now we're talking haunted mansion and like, it's like the last thing I want to talk about is haunted mansion and Disney um, and their big products, but we're doing it. Yeah. Like you said, this is my baby. I said, let's talk about pirates of the Caribbean more specifically the three movies that Gore, Gore Rubinsky directed. Okay. Let's do it. Because they're also based on rides at Disneyland. Yes. Also, yeah, that, that that's the connection. Based on rides at Disneyland. I saw these again this past week. Uh, the ride that they recently made woke, by the way, in the last few years. Parts of the Caribbean. How do they yeah. make it woke? I what did Ben took, Shapiro say? I think they took out like somebody slapping a prostitute or something. Sex worker? Oh, no. Sex worker. Yeah. Ah. Uh, you know what they say? You go woke, you go broke. Yeah, Disney is really feeling it right now. Yeah, Disney, yeah. No, so is Warner Brothers. Like they went woke with Barbie. They're really feeling it now. Yeah. Have you seen Ben Shapiro's interview? Not yet. Uh, I think we're gonna play really? it right after this episode. I think it's gonna be. I think we're just I think gonna. We should copy play it the audio. On this episode. Yeah, well, we're we're gonna spend the next hour just listening to that episode. <laughs> Doing a little commentary. Yeah, Ben Shapiro reviewing Barbie. We agree. Yep, this is right. Yeah, <laughs> just that's all we say. You go, yep. Good point. Good point. Yep. Good job, Ben. <laughs> uh, okay, so you saw Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pirates of the Caribbean. Marcelo, when's the last time you saw these three films? You watched just the three Gore Verbinskis, the first three. Yes, I just watched the first three. I, and, and I wanted to do the first three because to me, those three in particular, uh, it's like we were saying before. With like bar, uh, when it comes to like IP and a creative, uh, and a true artist coming in, a filmmaker coming in and putting their own, you know, unique touch on it. I think you can make the parallel between, you know, Gore Verbinski doing Pirates of the Caribbean and Greta Gerwig doing Barbie. Okay, because I think Gore Verbinski is a talented filmmaker. I, I love his I love his stuff. Okay, Cure for Wellness, uh, Mouse Hunt. The Ring, 10 Minutes of uh, Lone Ranger, uh, some great stuff, right? <laughs> and I think he's, he's a perfect fit for doing these first three Pirates movies. The first, and, and yeah, I watched them when they came out. I was obsessed with them. I was there in 2003 and then 2006 and 2007. And um, it, it was it was a phenomenon, you know. It it, came, it sort of came out of the blue. It swept the world. 
Yeah. Uh, they're like, oh, it, it, it's like, I said, come on. A Pirates of the Caribbean movie. It's like, that, that sounds terrible. Kind of like we're saying uh, Haunted Mansion sounds terrible. But I actually think that movie's going to be terrible. But Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, it was a surprise hit. I made a lot of yeah. money. And it came away with, like, everybody loves this Mr. Jack character. Mr. Jack, everybody's talking about. Yeah. Everybody's talking about. Uh, it says here Jim Carrey was considered for the part of Jack Sparrow. Imagine that. What, 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 Jim Carrey's Mr. Jack. What would that look like? Would that have been better or worse for the world? Uh, <laughs> um, genuinely great question. I, I think the movie is just as big a hit. Yeah, I really do. Would do you think Jim Carrey would have gotten that Oscar nomination that uh, the man who played Jack Sparrow got? <sighs> depends on how he's playing it i i can't i I don't know would jim carrey be playing that kind of drunk lush who doesn't really care about anything or would he be going goofy with it or more goofy than johnny depp does i i don't i don't know that's a great question interesting oh yeah and and by the way i want to jump to the academy awards nominations for uh this one for the first pirates yeah johnny depp got nominated for best actor in a leading role, I didn't actor? realize he got. I didn't realize he got actor. I thought it was That's supporting ridiculous. actor. He's a yeah. supporting actor for sure. Yeah, but he got lead actor uh, mm. nomination, and then makeup, sound editing, sound mixing, visual effects. It not it won none of it. So, oh wow! Yeah, uh, but still, I, I, now now I want to know what else was nominated. Who else was nominated for best actor that year? Yeah, what beat visual effects? Uh, we, we're not going to get into all of this, but no. let's see. Um, so Johnny Depp, Captain Jack Sparrow, Oscars, 2003, uh, along with, he was nominated along with Bill Murray in Lost in Translation, uh, Jude Law, Cold Mountain, Ben Kingsley, House of Sand and Fog, and the guy who won, Sean Penn from Mystic River. Okay. So I think Johnny Depp was the long shot there. He was the fifth choice. Yeah. That's yeah. A, that's a, that lineup is weird. Yeah, uh, that was 2003 for you. So yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, amazing. Uh, should I just go through all of them real quick, and then my first impressions, and then then you can jump? Yeah, let's do first that. impressions. What do you think of them now? Uh, yeah, let me do first impressions of the of the two and three. So saw so I was hyped for two and three. Uh, I was already into movies, obviously, and I you were a at this boy. point. I was I was hyped about you know this 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 thing we're seeing now uh, again. Uh, it, it seems to happen every 20 years where studios, they go, oh, these movies are a hit. Let's make more of them and let's make them uh, 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 two at a time. Or let's let's do part one and part two. And let's spread it out, right? Let's do this Dead Reckoning shit. Let's do this Fast X shit. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Dune shit. Dune. Uh, do, what's the Dune, other one? Yeah. Um, From this year. Know. Oppenheimer part one. Uh, this year there were three of them: Fast X, Mission Impossible. Oh, uh, Spider Man across the universe. Spider Man. Yeah, Spider-Man, yeah. So and and uh, they did it with this franchise. They shot uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End and Dead Man's Chest back to back. They shot it at World's End too. They, yeah. Thank you. These jump ins are helping me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, 20 years before this, 
they fucking did Back to the Future two and three back to back. So it's nothing new. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure Laurel and Hardy shot movies back to back. Okay. It's what else always, happened in the eighties? It's been happening, right? It's always you been got happening. the whole dance craze. Yeah. Neon. Reagan. So, Reagan. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So I I loved two and three. I love the eighties. Dead Man's Chest at World's End. VH1, Michael Ian Black, cut Powell, to, Sparks. Cut to this moment in time, seeing it again. I still think they're good. I still think they're outlandish, especially two and three. And I still think they're very Gore Verbinski. And I kind of, in a way, I kind of miss this sort of blockbuster filmmaking. We see it every once in a while, but not enough in my book. That's my thought on Pirates of the Caribbean, the Gore Verbinski trilogy. Siobhan? Are you... Are you with me? You know, I okay, know. so I, I watched these 11 months ago. Um, I had never seen... I had seen the first three. I had never seen all five of them. And we watched them all back-to-back over the course of like a week. And uh, frankly, I'd, I'd, I had just a wonderful time. And I, I, I just had an itching for a while. I was like, yeah, I want to watch these. And uh, all five of them have their merits. The fourth one really sucks. Uh, except for the fourth one. The fourth one really, really sucks. It's boring. It looks like dog shit. And I think it's like one of the most expensive movies ever made. It looks horrid. Uh, I don't know how they spent that much money on it. It's one of the, it's just garbage. Uh, five, very fun. Like they're back to it. They're definitely kind of copying Gore Verbinski's thing from the third one. Uh, these are, just high quality entertainment. I think uh, the, the first one, especially like damn near perfect blockbuster popcorn fun. I think, um, I remember seeing the first one in a theater. I think it was the first one. So I would have been seven or eight, depending on what time of year it came out. Uh, and I was in the theater. I remember the summer. Okay. I would have been seven. I remember it having like a jump scare that has stuck with me <laughs> for life where like a camera is panning across some jungle and Jack's pa- face is painted into the jungle and suddenly his eyes pop open and like you, you don't see him there. And, uh, that jump scare really getting me. And, uh, wait, wait, do you remember which, that Marcel? Wait, wait uh, which movie did, did that happen at all? Yeah, I think maybe in uh, Dead Man's Chest. I think that happened. Then it's that one. Yeah. That's the one I saw in a movie theater. Then, yeah, I don't think I saw the other two in a theater. I saw them probably later on DVD or on TV or whatever. Uh, not that these were very big movies to my childhood. They weren't. Yeah. Uh, I, I never like was into pirates or anything. Like I, I just thought it was it, they were there and I watched them. I guess I don't think I don't think anybody was into pirates. By the way, before this movie, I think that that yeah. was that was another thing. I mean, people were out of pirates. Uh, they were tired of them, or they just weren't mm-hmm. interested until Pirates of the Caribbean came back and said, "Hey, Pirates!" Captain Phillips, really. <laughs> and uh, the uh, anyway, the, yeah, they surprised me at just how fun they are. They're really great movies, especially those first two. the The third one is a dark movie. Like it, it kind of weighed on me a little bit. I was not having as much fun, surely. But I need to say, visually, like these are like I don't know if you agree with me, but like. Uh, Davy Jones is like the best CGI character I've ever seen. Yeah. Do you, do you agree with that? I agree. Um, I mean, speaking of Oscars, 
I'm going to make sure this is right. I think they won the Oscar for Dead Man's Chest for uh, all that Davy Jones um, stuff. It, it's, it floored me how good he looked, how natural he looked. And I think it's all about, A, they gave the people time to make it, which they don't really do nowadays. They're uh, visual effects workers. I wish they were on strike, too, because, God damn it, they need to <clears throat> be given more time, more budget uh, to do these things higher pay whatever because like 20 years ago we got like something that blows damn near every marvel movie out of the water in terms of visual effects yeah uh by the way anyway yeah i had a great time i I like them they're good movies dead man's chest did win best visual effects um that year at the oscars uh deservedly so uh yeah uh Bill Nye as Davy Jones. That performance is great, but that yeah. the CGI, the it still holds up. I just saw hey, I just saw these movies this past week. I mean Siobhan, you saw these movies a year ago. So I can tell you, after, you know, experiencing another year of life and watching <clears throat> movies, and then watching this just recently, still holds up. Still good. They're they're a good time, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the, 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 the story's kind of fun. Like Orlando Bloom's good. Uh, Kieran Knightley's really good. Uh, Jack Sparrow, his whole shtick. I thought it still held up pretty fun. It works. Yeah. I, you know, uh, yeah. you know, uh, setting aside or not really setting aside the whole Johnny Depp thing. I still think Johnny Depp is a creep in real life, whatever, but not whatever. Yeah, a bastard, like a real evil man. Yeah. He's not good. Johnny he Depp. He should never work again. And he's going to, that, that's the problem with 4 and 5, really, is that he does become the main character. He does become the lead, best leading actor. And, like, that's just not what that character should be. Yeah, exactly. And the, the trilogy works, the first three work, because it is Orlando Bloom and Karen Knightley's story. And, you know, Johnny Depp, Jack, Jack Sparrow is just a side character. And that's how it should be. He should be kind of like the Han Solo, you know, sort of character, like on the yeah, sidelines. Yeah. And, and like in four, like he is the main character five. He's the main character. Um, and they just kind of have Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley as the occasional cameo for mm. 30 seconds. And it's kind of a bummer. Uh, they, they do set it up at the end of five that like Orlando Bloom at least could come back. Cause there's this whole thing where he's like uh, destined to, or like, enslaved kind of to like roam the seas on this like ghost ship or some shit. And I think Jack kind of frees him of that maybe. And then he like, they have like a nice relationship there. Oh, and, and him and Kira Knightley go away and get to actually live together again. So like the, the, the potential of them coming back for a six is possible, I guess. And that's mildly exciting. <laughs> yeah. I well, well, uh, jumping on the whole four and five, uh, thing. I'm not a fan of those movies. The, the big reason why I wanted to do just the first three is because I think the first three are the best of the series. They and are. Like, I think, like what you're saying, four and five just don't have that. I, th- I think, yeah, five tries to recreate the Gore Verbinski vibe, but I think for me, they do it pretty successfully. Like, I don't know. Visually, from, it's pretty wonderful. Uh, from my memory, I don't know. I think four and five are just not good. Maybe. Walking. Uh, or. Is it uh, Javier Bardem? Is it Javier Bardem. His performance is like good. Like it's not it's not Davy Jones, but like it's good. And he's a good villain, and like the 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 end climax where like they split the sea in half. And I I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, like that was cool as shit. Frankly, 
first three tell a, a, a great story, and I think the ending of three is a good ending to the series. That's that's kind of what that's where I want to leave it with those characters. Um, but they made two more, and they're gonna make more. There, Margot Robbie. Speaking of her, she was going to make a pirates movie, but that fell through. That's no longer in development, from what I hear, or from what I read. I don't hear anything. Yeah. Uh, from from what Wikipedia tells me, um, and they're still trying to make another one. Johnny Depp said he's willing, you know, to be open to return to more, uh, whatever. But I don't think they're going to come close unless they bring back Orverbinski, unless they realize they, they don't have to make it as huge a budget. Like, that's the thing about these blockbusters, these franchises. You know, the more they go, the more money they, they throw at them. Why not make just a stripped-down version of a Pirates movie? Or stripped-down... I say that, and I'm wrong, because I, I, I just looked at the budget for the first movie. It's $140 million, so it's still a huge budget. Um, uh, but I'm sure two and three aren't that small either. Um, I bet they had, like, a... I, I, bet, I bet those two had, like, a, one of those package deals, like Lord of the Rings, where it was, like, 500 for both of or to make both, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I something like that. Let me look at the budget for the other two. Uh, no, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, t- oh, thank you, Siobhan. I will. You're allowed. $225 million each. So $500 million <laughs> I was right. 500 for two Let's fucking go. Yeah. Well, good job. Congrats. You got it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. So. So this has been a successful episode. It has. You know um, what? We had. Okay. We're, we're not done yet. I want, like, to uh, mention one more thing and then play a game and then we're out of here. Oh, we got to do the box office game. Yeah, you're right. Let's go. Uh, I, I just want to point out that okay, t- my final thoughts. Good trilogy. I'm not gonna go back and watch four and five anytime soon. I want to point out uh, that we're <laughs> this is exciting. That this is the second week now that we can bring up Stellan Skarsgård uh, because <laughs> yes, Stellan, Sar- <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård plays Orlando Bloom's father. In Pirates 2 and we gotta, 3. We got to keep finding that connection every week. Siobhan, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. So, box office game. Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's do it. I'm going to give you three movies. And you're going to tell me... <sighs> okay. If these three movies made more money or less money than each Pirates movie. Now... In- Individually? Yeah, we're going to go year by year. So first year, 2003, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. I'm going to give you three movies. You have to to tell me if they made more or less than Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl in the year 2003. Ready? Okay. Okay, here we go. Movie number one, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Oh, shit. More or less than Pirates of the Caribbean 1. More. You are wrong. It made oh, less money. Wow. I'll tell you how much here in a second. All right, next movie. The Matrix Reloaded. More or less, less. money. Less. You are correct. It made less money. Final movie. Finding Nemo. Oh, Finding Nemo. Oh, Finding Nemo. That's a really interesting More one. or less money. Yeah, you know what? Less. You are wrong. It made Fuck more me. money. I'm so stupid. All right, so... Everybody 2000- hates me. <laughs> this is why. 
2003, the number one movie in... Oh, by the way, this is domestic box office. I should have made that clear. I'm sorry. This is domestic. Oh, oh, jeez. Oh, no, you really fooled me. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, domestically, Finding Nemo was the the number one movie of 2003, uh, making $339 million. Number two, Pirates 1, with 305. Uh, Number three... The Matrix Reloaded. Number four, The Return of the King. Oh, wow. I did yeah. not think Matrix would have made more than Return of the King. Yeah, Reloaded was a big one. Reloaded was a huge, huge, huge uh, uh, sequel. Um, and Revolutions? Revolutions was number 11 on the list. So, yeah, <laughs> not as big. All right, next mm-hmm. movie. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. What's this year? 2007. Oh, wow. All right. I'm going to give you three movies. You're going to tell me more or less than Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, oh, hold on. I'm on the wrong year. Oh, sorry. 2006. 2006. 2006. Okay. Yes. Dead, Man Ch- Dead Man's Chest. Dead Man's Chest. 2006. Dead Man's Chest. These three movies, did they make more or less than Dead Man's Chest? Movie number one. Domestically. Thank you. Movie number one, uh, The Da Vinci Code. Less. You're correct. Movie number two, X-Men, The Last Stand. Less. You're correct. (laughs) Movie number three, Cars. Okay, see, a Pixar is hard to gauge. I, I, I don't think Pixar... I don't think Cars was the biggest hit. I think it was just the biggest hit merchandise-wise. So I'm going to say less. You are correct. I just uh, realized this is a dire year in film. Uh, yeah, it sounds like shit. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the rest of the top ten is Superman Returns, <laughs> Okay. Ice Age, The Meltdown, Happy Feet, uh, over, the, over the Hedge... <laughs> Over oh, the what? Edge. That was in the top 10 of That was in the top 10? I know I saw that in theaters, yeah. actually. Casino Royale. Hey. Right. Talladega Nights. That was number okay. 10. Uh, but the number one movie of 2006 was Dead Man's Chest. Pirates wow. 2. Um, you know yeah. They chose the right one for number one. Yeah. So, and the ones I said, Cars, X-Men well, 3. Well, no, no, Casino Royale. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Well, of course. Cars, uh, X-Men 3, da-, da Vinci Code were 2, 3, and 4 on the list. So, all right. That was 2006. 2007. The next year. You had to wait a whole year until uh, the next Pirates movie. Oh, when, when, when Captain Barbosa, you know, came down the stairs, you're like, oh, my God, he's back. And then he had to wait a year. <laughs> For the you know, for the next chapter of the Pirates franchise, two thousand seven Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Did these three movies make more or less than at World's End? Here we go. Shrek the Third. Oh goddamn! See, you're already hitting me with a hard one. Ugh, the goodwill from Shrek Two was so high, but then word would have spread that Shrek Three sucked so bad that could it have outpaced? No, I'm saying it made less. You are wrong. It made more than Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Son of a bitch. That Next movie. Coin flip. Spider-Man 3. No. You're saying it made less? Less. 
You are wrong. It made more what? than Pirates really? of the Caribbean at World's End. Amazing. Okay. Final movie, Transformers, the first one. You know, fine. That, that made more. You are correct. It made more than at World's End. So those were the top three of 2007. So Spider-Man 1, sorry, Spider-Man 3 was number one. Spider-Man 3 wow. was the biggest domestic box office movie of that year. Then Shrek the Third, then Transformers, and then Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End at number four. So pretty piss poor performance on my part. Probably like 50%, if that. Yeah, I wasn't keeping tabs, but yeah, I mean... Not great. Uh, but hey, you know what was great? This episode. Oh, great uh, combo. Great combo here. We had a great time. Um, you know what? Let's take a look at what's playing in theaters uh, next week. We're, we're getting into August. August 4th. August 4th. What comes out on August 4th? Well, the big one is Meg 2. The Trench. Ooh, Meg to the Trench. Oh, I'm excited. Now, there was a movie that I think maybe you brought up yeah. in in the uh, in the uh, preliminary like shark in the preliminary like shark movies. People like shark movies. We were brainstorming. What? Hey, what? What? What can we see? What? What's under the sea? What's what's under the sea, under the sea? What's under the sea, under the sea? And that's right, folks. I, and I think we could say at the same time, because I think we, we, we both agreed we're, we're doing this. We're seeing. Here we go, Siobhan. We're seeing Deep Blue deep Sea. Deep Blue Sea. My hat is like a shark's fin. Yes. My hat is like a shark's fin. Speaking of pirate movies, we're seeing uh, Rennie Harlan's Deep Blue Sea. Uh, he, he directed uh, the infamous pirate movie Cutthroat Island that I think uh, 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 you know stopped people from making pirate movies for the next like t- 10 years um, but he made a great shark movie in between that uh, in between uh, Cutthroat Island and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean he made Deep Blue Sea and who stars in Deep Blue Sea? LL Cool J and the rest of the cast <laughs> Stellan, oh Thomas Jane Stellan Skarsgård Stellan Skarsgård's in Deep Blue Sea? Stellan Skarsgård is in Deep Blue Sea. Let's go. So, that's right. It was meant to be. So, we started the series with Mamma Mia, then Pirates of the Caribbean, and now Deep Blue Sea. Mamma Mia, Deep Blue Sea again. Michael Rappaport's in it. All right. Deep Blue Sea next week. Uh, Plugs? Anything you have to plug, Siobhan? Follow me at Junkblader. Yes, at Junkblader. And Deep uh, Blue Sky, you can do... uh, Junkblader.bsky.social. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Blue Sky at MarcelloJPico.com. Um, that's Instagram, right, folks. Junkblader Shiv. Discord, friend me, Junkblader. Uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Talk Film Society for all your Talk Film Society needs. Uh, Discord, yeah. TalkFilmSociety.com slash Discord. Um, yeah, there you go. Stay tuned next week. Let's end this long episode by saying the phrase that pays. The phrase that we say at the end of all these shows. Here we go. This is how we end this show. This is how we do it. Hey. Deepest bluest. My hat is like a shark's fin. Deepest bluest. My hat is like a shark's fin. See you at the movies. Nope. Never say that. All right. Bye. Deepest bluest. My hat is like a shark's fin.